Oh, good day, folks, and welcome to episode three of Playing Crazy Down Under, the aviation podcast looking at the world from an Australia Pacific point of view. I'm Grant McCarran, and I'm flying solo this episode because my partner in crime, Steve Vischer, is over in the USA visiting uh, friends and a high school reunion. We'll hear more from Steve later in this podcast as uh, he's managed to record an update for us despite battling a massive attack of jet lag after well over a day spent travelling on multiple airlines between Melbourne, Australia and Arkansas, USA. Now folks, I'm recording this on the uh, 29th of July and today happens to be the 50th anniversary of Qantas's first ever jet service. On this day in 1959, Qantas introduced the 707 flying from Sydney to San Francisco via Fiji and Hawaii. And so I think it's rather auspicious that uh, 50 years later, Qantas is still going strong. They're uh, flying the A380 and we're recording our third podcast today. I think that's pretty cool. So anyhow, let's get on with the news. There's a lot that's happened since our last podcast, and I have much to tell you about. Well, first up, let's report on uh, ongoing developments in a story we reported first for you last week. This is the famous uh, Delta and V Australia pair up to provide uh, services across the Pacific between Australia and the USA. While both airlines were providing their own services, they were also doing some code sharing and some people have started referring to them as Delta V, combination of Delta and V Australia. The arrangement's going to allow uh, V Australia and Delta to pool revenue, collaborate on route and product planning and place passengers on each other's planes. This is coming from a report in The Australian by Steve Creedy. Virgin is facing a uh, two-pronged attack, as we reported last last time. Tiger Airways was the first to complain about the uh, Delta V scenario. They were joined soon after by Air New Zealand, and it's really no surprise that those two are getting in. Tiger is not a member of Star Alliance, but Tiger is pretty much entirely owned by Singapore. Singapore Airlines have a large stake and so does Temasek, which is the investment arm of the Singapore government, which also owns Singapore Airlines. So effectively, Tiger is pretty much owned by Singapore Airlines, being uh, members of the uh, Star Alliance. Uh, Also, United haven't officially weighed in, but are considering their options, so I wouldn't be surprised to see United come in there. According to Steve Creedy's article, basically, the Air New Zealand has um, brought up the fact that the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission last year denied Air New Zealand permission to work with Air Canada. And so what Air New Zealand are saying is that based on that decision, the Virgin Delta proposal should not be allowed to go ahead. Now, throughout all this, Qantas is staying quite aloof. Steve's brought up the point that Qantas haven't really said anything, which is possibly due to a similar agreement with British Airways on the Kangaroo route, which goes between London and Australia. So uh, it's hotting up here. It's getting very, very interesting. Uh, We'll see whether Delta V is allowed to go. Tiger, aka Singapore Airlines and uh, Air New Zealand up against it. United possibly going to do this, uh, say the same thing, we're not sure. And Qantas sitting back uh, watching to see what happens quite intently. So it's going to be very interesting to watch that one. Now, while Qantas may be staying somewhat aloof of the whole Delta V situation, one of their 737s was forced to return to Earth a little earlier than expected after a uh, depressurization occurring. According to a report in the ABC News, a Qantas 737 has been grounded in New Zealand while engineers investigate what sparked a malfunction on a flight to Brisbane yesterday. The aircraft was flying from Auckland to Brisbane with 91 passengers on board. Shortly after reaching 25,000 feet, the aircraft started to depressurize. Crew decided it was prudent 
prudent to return. Of course, Qantas are playing down the incident, saying it's not an emergency. Uh, there was never any uh, need to drop oxygen masks or anything like that, but there was a depressurization. They did return, and uh, the aircraft remains grounded while Qantas engineers investigate the cause and uh, make repairs. So probably not as drastic as the Southwest 737-300 that had a uh, fuselage section disappear, a small part of, the, of a panel in the tail, I believe it was. Uh, but yes... A depressurization nonetheless and a return to Earth. While we're talking about New Zealand, uh, there was an earthquake recently that brought the uh, South Island of New Zealand about 30 centimetres closer to Australia. So while Australia-New Zealand relations may be physically a little closer, they did take a little bit of a setback recently. According to an article by Rebecca Lewis in the New Zealand Herald, Jetstar operating in uh, New Zealand has caused some problems uh, with excessive charging for bags. According to Rebecca, air travellers are being urged to check the fine print on their tickets as under-fire Jetstar faces accusations of profiteering from baggage charges. Apparently a couple flying from New Zealand to the Gold Coast last month had booked some discount tickets. They had booked Jetsaver Light tickets and they were flying via Sydney to the Gold Coast then returning directly. While the flights cost about $400 in total, there was an $80 charge for a 20 kilo check-in luggage allowance for each of the three legs, adding up to $240. Almost the same cost as the tickets to just fly your luggage. So while Jetstar are saying, no, no, that's right, um, you don't have any luggage allowance and we can uh, charge you what we want, other airlines such as Pacific Blue are only charging about $8 for up to 23 kilos and that's on its cheapest fare. So uh, yeah, Jetstar causing further problems with their operations in New Zealand. This may not be helping the Kiwis to uh, enjoy anything Australian. Our very own Regional Express airline, also known as Rex, has uh, taken out the uh, award for being the world's best regional carrier. Steve Creedy writes in The Australian that Regional Express has been ranked the world's top performing regional carrier in a global survey of airlines by respected industry magazine Aviation Week. So I reckon that's pretty good results. Uh, Rex are a very good little regional airline here in Australia, flying Saab 340s and other aircraft. They uh, scored 52 out of the maximum 99 points, putting them ahead of Jazz Air, SkyWest, ExpressJet, Comair and Republic Airways. They placed first in liquidity, financial health and asset management categories and are expected to post a profit for the fiscal year ending June 30, albeit down by about 10% compared with the previous year. But let's face it folks, a profit in these times is a pretty good thing. Out of interest also with this article was that... Uh, Virgin Blue came in 11th in the low-cost and niche carrier category. Uh, they were pipped to the post by groups such as Ryanair, don't know how that happened, EasyJet and Southwest. Uh, it did do better than AirAsia, SpiceJet and JetBlue. Also of interest in this article, they point out that the awards uh, to the mainline legacy carrier category was topped by Singapore Airlines with 75 points, with Lufthansa coming second at 65 points, then Malaysia Airlines at 63 points, Turkish Airlines at 62 points, and Qantas coming in at 59 points. So pretty good news, especially for Rex. Well done, Rex. Well, folks, we've got quite a few stories here on Virgin Blue. First up is the news that a, uh, a wheel fell off a Virgin Blue 737. Uh, this was reported in the ABC News. 
The nose wheel fell off a Virgin Blue 737 at Melbourne Airport on Saturday. The plane was preparing for takeoff when a ground engineer noticed one of the wheels had fallen off. Of the two wheels on the front of the 737, one of them had come off. It turned out that this was due to a corroded axle. What's wound up happening is that the Aircraft Engineers Association is claiming this is indicative of maintenance issues and that Virgin Blue should step up their program involving more aircraft checks before departure. At present, Virgin Blue checks their aircraft in the morning but then doesn't do continuous checks prior to every flight. The Engineers Association are saying that they should be. Um, if you want to be cynical, this is of course a good reason to have more engineers on the tarmac because you need to check more aircraft, so therefore more members. They're going up against Virgin Blue's management who are saying that this issue could not have been detected by a pre-flight check. Uh, it would only have shown up in a full strip down. Uh, they, Virgin Blue have of course checked all their other 737s and found no other evidence of these sorts of problems. It's interesting here that the Federal Secretary of the Aircraft Engineers Association, Mr Steve Pervenus, says that the wheel could have caused serious problems depending on where it fell off. He says if it had have occurred as the wheel carriage was coming up, the wheel could have gone through one of the engines. Certainly it would have been serious. He does have a point, but uh, I think he's uh, leveraging a situation for his own needs there. Very interesting. Virgin Blue Aircraft losing a wheel. The tech crew on board in the cockpit didn't notice it had gone, which gives you an indication of how well the aircraft continues to run along the ground with only one of the two wheels. Uh, Virgin Blue CEO Brett Godfrey says it's unlikely the problem would have been noticed. It was overhauled by Lufthansa Technics some 12 months ago. They believe that it's an anomaly and certainly don't think it has anything to do with Virgin's maintenance. And speaking of things leaving Virgin, they may have lost one wheel, they're definitely going to lose a very senior person. Their chief executive, Brett Godfrey, has announced he will retire. Uh, Steve Creedy reported in The Australian, Mr Godfrey made his announcement on the 27th of July. Mr Godfrey said that after more than 10 years, it will certainly be time for someone else to come and have a go. Brett uh, formed Virgin, he was the driving force behind it, talking to Richard Branson and getting everything happening. He's done a lot of hard work getting Virgin Blue up and running and getting it to the position where it's at now been very successful with it so if anyone deserves a break it's mr godfrey good on you brett and uh, we're looking forward to seeing what you come up with after you retire and following on from news that we released last week about uh, virgin blue halting trading of their shares as speculation ran rife that they were attempting to raise more cash well it turns out that Yes, they are going to raise more capital, alongside uh, Brett Godfrey saying he was going to quit. They've also announced that they're going to raise more capital. Steve Creedy, once again writing in The Australian, reports that Virgin Blue hopes to use its new equity raising to bolster its cash reserves to more than $700 million as it steals itself for another difficult year and the exit of co-founder and longtime chief executive Brett Godfrey. The raising is going to be used to improve liquidity as the airline heads into fiscal 2010, expecting to break even after revealing it expected to report a group net loss of $160 million or so. As we reported last week, the Australia's startup cost a lot of money. They're getting increased competition in the Pacific and around New Zealand, so they've gone to raise more cash. As we reported, there was a lot of speculation that uh, Virgin was running out of cash and seeking new cornerstone investors. Uh, major investor Virgin Group was reluctant to reinvest in the Australian airline, but uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. As Richard Branson, the chairman of Virgin Group, has stated that he does support the airline and he's committed to increasing his stake from 25.5% to 30.2% if no one takes up the retail offer. He is buying more to keep his 25.5% stake and will buy more if required. So that's a pretty good indication that Sir Richard likes Virgin Blue still. 
And sticking with Virgin and also talking about relatively new aircraft, they uh, recently in the past year or so introduced the Embraer E-Jets onto their lineup. So they've just cut a deal with John Holland to maintain those jets. According once again to Steve Creedy, writing in The Australian, Virgin Blue has awarded John Holland Aviation Services a 10-year contract to service its fleet. This builds on an existing deal that John Holland have to perform heavy maintenance on this Boeing 737 fleet for Virgin Blue, based out of Melbourne. They will now be carrying out all heavy maintenance on the Embraer fleet, which currently stands at 19 aircraft and is expected to expand to 23 by the end of 2011. Worth noting here is uh, we mentioned John Holland Group previously as having taken on heavy maintenance for Air New Zealand as well, following Air New Zealand dropping Qantas maintenance. Keep your eye on John Holland Aviation Maintenance Area. Looks like they're doing pretty well. Continuing the theme of uh, share trading halts and uh, shifts of management, according to a report in The Australian, Macquarie Airports has taken over management from Macquarie Group. Macquarie Airports says it will take over the management of its own airports after Macquarie Group agreed to relinquish control. In a nutshell, for you folks who may not be aware of it, Macquarie Group is a rather large investment organisation that was doing really well right up until the uh, global financial crisis, and their much-vaunted Macquarie model has uh, not survived the GFC, and a number of the organisations that they managed have spun themselves off and self-managed, distancing themselves from the group. What we're finding here is that Macquarie Airports, who uh, own Sydney Airport here in Australia, and also have stayed and major airports in Bristol, Brussels and Copenhagen have uh, spun themselves off and are now going to self-manage. They'll no longer be part of the Macquarie Group directly. Now this is interesting information given that they run Sydney Airport. Uh, we've also had news this week that Brisbane, Melbourne and Perth International Airports have all seen increases in traffic while Sydney International Airport has not. Macquarie uh, airports have been copping a little flack uh, as the owners of Sydney for the high rates they charge the airlines. Qantas have been quoted as saying they don't think the airports in Australia are doing the best they can to help out the airlines in this time of hardship. So yes, it will be very interesting to see what happens to Macquarie airports. They have been selling down some of their holdings in a number of airports around the world, sticking to Sydney airport and stakes in those ones I mentioned earlier. And finally in the news this week, we have a report from Aero News Network that Pell Air Aviation Proprietary Limited, a subsidiary of Regional Express, who we discussed earlier, has been selected as conditional preferred provider of fixed-wing patient transport services by the Victorian State Government. What this means is that they've scored a 10-year contract supplying uh, fixed-wing air ambulance services around the state of Victoria. I believe that means they'll be flying the Red King Airs that operate out of Essendon Airport here in Melbourne. So that's great news for Pell Air and by extension for Regional Express. So well done, folks. Now, as promised earlier in the podcast, we do have an update from Steve Vischer over in the USA, and we'll cut to that bit now. Well, good day, folks. It's Steve here, and I'm speaking to you on location this week in the United States from the huge town of Quitman, Arkansas, population 716. I'm over here for my uh, high school 20-year reunion, and this is also the place where I did the bulk of my flying training, so it's um, maybe a little bit of an out-of-the-way place for most, and perhaps even a little bit of an unlikely place to have uh, uh, learned to fly, uh, but uh, this place holds some uh, very uh, important memories for me, and it's uh, really great to be back here. So what I thought I'd do this week, uh, just to 
put a little bit into the podcast, which just give you my impressions of my uh, trip over here. I flew up here with uh, Virgin Blue, Virgin Australia, and Southwest Airlines in the United States. So we departed Melbourne at 6 a.m. on uh, Sunday morning on a uh, Virgin Blue 737-700. Quite a pleasant, uh, smooth flight up to up to Brisbane. Uh, a short layover in Brisbane for a couple of hours, and then we were on board a brand new uh, V Australia Boeing 777-300ER. Now I've done several overseas trips before, all of them on uh, Boeing 747s uh, and 767s. I guess to have never been on a triple seven before, and I got to tell you, I was extremely impressed with it. It's a very large cabin. Uh, it was an extremely smooth flight. They, it appeared to be a quieter aircraft than seven four sevens that I've travelled on in the past. Hats off to uh, V Australia's cabin crew. I really do like their style, the way they they operate. Very very laid back, very good service, the meals were good and fortunately for me I had a uh, double row or two seats at least to myself so I could stretch out a little bit. The flight from Brisbane uh, was about 12 and a half hours uh, and I can tell you that trip doesn't get any easier the, the, uh, as time goes on. Either the world's getting bigger or perhaps I'm just getting older but uh, that trip certainly does take a lot out of you. By the time you get to Los Angeles you're getting there around about the same time that you left Australia on the same day and uh, then you've got to go through that whole day again. So we touched down in Los Angeles, cleared customs. That was a uh, relatively quick process. Fortunately we got in just ahead of a couple of other international flights so we were right ahead of the right at the front of the queue for customs. So I think my uh, time spent there would have been less than 30 minutes. Uh, that's an improvement over the last time I came here in 2007 where we waited almost two hours to clear customs. The much vaunted uh, Transport Security Administration, I guess the TSA officers here, which we've heard a lot about, uh, none of it positive. Uh, I've got to say, I didn't really have any trouble getting through security. I, I guess um, you do have to take your shoes off. I wasn't wearing a belt, so I didn't have to worry about that. Uh, it was a fairly orderly process. Uh, it does get a little bit cramped there at Los Angeles. Uh, there are a lot of people there, obviously, so uh, you've sort of got to have your wits about you, I guess. And, and know what you're doing. A gentleman in front of me uh, was causing a little bit of trouble for one of the officers. Uh, I thought the officer handled it quite well, really, considering that uh, the gentleman had to do nothing more than take his watch off to get through the screener, but uh, seemed to have some sort of problem with doing that. Uh, I went through, uh, had my bag full of camera gear and all the rest. Uh, that cleared through no problem. Put my laptop separately through, and uh, there was really no problem. Going through one security checkpoint, uh, one of the guards, when he asked me for identification, uh, wasn't too thrilled at looking at my Australian driver's licence, but uh, was more than satisfied satisfied when I produced my passport. So at least for this experience, um, so far in this trip, I didn't have any problem with the TSA. Uh, so there's one for blogger Bob. My next flight was on Southwest Airlines. Uh, we I had to fly uh, from uh, to Arkansas, of course. Uh, so the trip took me uh, from Los Angeles with a stop at El Paso, Texas, and then into uh, Dallas Love Field, which is the secondary airport for uh, Dallas. Basically walked straight off that aircraft and straight onto the next one for a uh, about a 50-minute, 50 55-minute flight across to Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, Southwest they do things a bit differently. I can't say that I'm all that thrilled with their boarding system. For those of us in Australia and uh, perhaps anyone else who's not familiar, uh, you're not assigned a seat on Southwest flight. Rather, you're assigned a position in the queue. So you're given a boarding pass and you're basically in a group and you, you've got a number in that group and uh, basically when they call your group you all line up and it's a mad scramble to find whichever uh, a vacant seat you can get uh, when you get on the plane. Frankly I'd prefer assigned seating. I, I'm not really sure what the theory is behind not doing it that way. Both flights that I took with Southwest this day were full, right at capacity. Good aircraft uh, threw on a 737-500 and then a 737-700. Uh, their seats interestingly were uh, all leather. 
a little bit hard to sit on, but uh, the uh, segment or the sectors were uh, not that long, so it wasn't really that much of a of an issue. Uh, the service, the um, the service on board the aircraft was uh, was was pretty good considering it is, I guess, a budget carrier. I was uh, had my wallet out to pay for the uh, drink and the uh, peanuts that were coming down the aisle. Uh, was pleasantly surprised to find that they were complimentary. I think uh, they only asked you to pay if you were ordering something alcoholic. Uh, so that was a pleasant surprise. The cabin crew seemed to be having a wonderful time at their job. They obviously enjoy what they do at, at Southwest. The uh, young cabin attendant that was in charge of the flight from Los Angeles through to Texas, uh, evidently it was her birthday and uh, all the cabin crew from the captain down made a uh, great song and dance about that and uh, she seemed to be having a wonderful time and enjoying herself and uh, I think that one stage half the cabin sang happy birthday to her which was quite entertaining to watch and uh, the crew on board the uh, from the short leg across to Little Rock you know the young fellow there the uh, the gentleman in charge of the cabin on that flight uh, cracking a lot of jokes uh, making Whilst the safety demonstration was obviously a, uh, it's obviously something that's very serious and we should all take heed of, uh, he managed to deliver it in quite a uh, entertaining way and I thought they did an excellent job of that. So there we go, not much else to report, I'll try and file another report for uh, next week's show. I hope to do a little bit of flying, uh, catching up with a few old flying buddies of mine here and um, I'm hoping to get a little bit of flying up in uh, a couple of uh, rather vintage Cessnas that they've got here. Unfortunately I'm not going to make it up to Oshkosh, uh, I did have a number of very generous offers to get up there but unfortunately time is against me in that regard so to those people if you're listening uh, know that I do appreciate that uh, those offers uh, but I just couldn't make it unfortunately so I will hand you back to Grant and leave you in his very capable hands I know there's a number of uh, very interesting stories that have uh, popped up in aviation this week in Australia and until next week I'm Steve Vichy in the United States on location for the Plane Crazy Down Under podcast (laughs) I've always wanted to say something like that I'll talk to you all again next week cheers well thanks for that update Steve Uh, looking forward to getting more posts from you over in the states and slicing them into the podcast as we uh, release each episode well that's about all we've got time for this week's episode folks thanks very much for listening i'm grant mccarran you can find me on the net at flymefriendly.com and you can find me on twitter as falcon124 you can also find steve vischer online as ozflyer.blogspot.com that's a-u-s-f-l-i-e-r.blogspot.com and he's steve vischer all one word on twitter So thanks very much for listening. We've got a few interviews in the pipeline that we'll be releasing as episodes coming up soon. Otherwise, the next regular news update episode will be out in a week or so. So thanks very much, folks. That's about it. And remember, it's what's down under that counts. asked us to make this statement. The views and opinions we present in this podcast are ours and do not necessarily represent those of groups we work with or are associated with, although we think they probably should. We certainly don't claim to be experts, we're just opinionated enthusiasts who are willing to comment publicly on the world around us. This show is intended as entertainment and any education that may occur is purely coincidental. As with anything in life, it is your responsibility to determine what does or does not work in your situation and to seek out suitable guidance and or instruction. This podcast is released under Creative Commons non-commercial by attribution license. For more details on this license and our contact details, please visit our website at www.playingcrazydownunder.com. Thanks, folks.